Hi, Frank. How are you today? I'm good. So uh, we're back here for our ninth episode, uh, trying to keep up with our uh, our uh, listeners in Ecuador and make sure that your mom is uh, has something to talk about at Christmas. Um, and I see we have a guest. Well, yeah, things have gotten so uh, so bad on the listener front that I've had to recruit live listeners from the living room. So I just, you know, so this is it. Clara. She's nearly, uh, she's like Cindy Lou Who. She's, she's more than two. And uh, at some point she'll leave. At some point my wife will come get her. Oh yeah, that happened right now. Say bye, Clara. Bye. Say bye to all tens bye and tens bye. of people on the pod. All right. Yeah, it was nice to meet you. It's nice. It's nice to have a guest. So it is good to have a guest, and that's kind so of a theme. She, maybe she's coming for your job, Elliot. I don't. I mean, well, I don't. Uh, you know, I, I have a two and a half year old granddaughter who pro- might get there first only because she's closer to me than Clara. But uh, that's right. That's right. So. Um, uh, Frank, we've done nine episodes of the podcast. This is our first year. Um, it's certainly been an interesting year. We've covered a lot of topics, responsibilities of a CEO, careers and career paths, managing through the rapid inorganic growth that the company has been through this year, and then looking at applying technology to financial crimes compliance and building culture and keeping it healthy, making teams work well, combining tech and people, and um, and how to anticipate customer needs, a big, broad set of things. And now we're coming to the end of this year, and uh, it might be nice to talk about some business lessons that you see that we can take away from this year as we start thinking about, well, we've all been thinking about already, but really get into our thinking about next year. So yeah. what's on your mind? Well, you don't want, really want to know that, do you? Uh, you know, uh, always, first... but uh, maybe we'll do that on a separate one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a leather chair. We need the leather. We need the leather couch if if we're oh, really okay. all right. Going that's... on that road. All right. But uh, no, you know, I, I thought it'd be fun to to kind of you know in, in our fifteen to eighteen minutes today to to talk about you know the maybe the five biggest lessons from you know leadership perspective. And I think I think what I have to share today should should work whether you're the CEO or maybe just managing a small team. Um, and, and certainly if you're not on the management side um, and, and you're looking to become, you know, kind of kind of a leader uh, or an executive, I think these are five things this year that, uh, you know, given everything that you said, the growth of the company, the inorganic growth, the kind of global footprint, the becoming a technology company, out, you know, out of nowhere, all that stuff, you know, there was, there was certainly some lessons learned, you know, along the way that, that this year, I, I think, um, will, will, will be good for, for anybody who's in a, a similar position. So what do you, want you, drum roll, do you want to drum roll them? Like the number four, you know, when I played instruments, it was mostly string instruments. So I would, and those weren't as dramatic in that way. You strike me as a percussion guy and I don't, don't take that the wrong way. I don't well, you take that the wrong way. Okay. No, violin and viola as a child for some extended period of time. Uh, dabbled with the clarinet and found out that my mouth made better noises when I didn't have something in it. So, sure. Uh, sure. So, let's just. So, what's number one? Number one, uh, you've got to delegate. And 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 the one thing that that I've learned. You know, especially as kind of being, you know, one of the owners of the company, one of the original kind of founders of the company, um, is that delegation is super scary, and that's why people don't do it. And and 
people who are typically in leadership positions would probably, you know, fancy themselves as, you know, this type A personality, whatever the hell that means. But but there are some certain traits amongst, you know, kind of uh, leaders and executives. And, and, and one of those is, is that um, uh, they're pretty good at the work, right? You know, and, and they've put in that 10,000 hours and and all that type of stuff. And, and because of that, you know, they become experts in, in a particular, you know, field or whatever. And, and, and it's hard to delegate that away once your responsibilities go away from subject matter um, and, and into the realm of, of organization and, and leadership. And so the one key about delegation is that, you know, you have to get comfortable with the following notion that nobody may able, be able to do something 100% as good as you, but 90% is probably okay. And, and once you can get yourself, you know, to that, to, to, to that level where 90% is okay, you, you begin to delegate. And then what you see is that actually not only is 90% okay, but some people are probably going to do it better than your 100%. And that even though it may not be exactly the way that you had it in your brain or that you wanted it, that it's okay. It, it's okay. Not everything has to be done your way. And, and honestly, it's probably better for your organization that everything's not done your way. Um, and you get people a chance to, to kind of step up and step in. So you got to delegate. Um, but the only way you're ever going you're, you're ever gonna be comfortable delegating is just accepting the fact that it might not be exactly the way that you would do it. And you got to be OK with that. Um, yes, that is an important lesson. It is one that um, I think everyone faces as you described earlier as you move up through from being you know at the an entry level doer to being maybe a manager of a team or a manager of a group of teams ultimately all the way up to the top of the shop as you are and it is a challenge um for all the reasons you uh, identified, um, you know, even when I was uh, advising boards of directors uh, in previous uh, employment, one of the things I noticed was that even directors sometimes had trouble recognizing that they weren't doers anymore in that role. They were overseers, strategists, things like that. And when a tough business problem was presented as part of a board report, they'd want to dig in and solve it. And right. because because they reverted to being what they were that got them to that kind of level. And that was uber great doers. But sure. you do have to learn how to surround yourself with great people and then trust them, guide them. But <clears throat> if you as a CEO are doing everything, we can't be a $3,000 global, a 3,000 person global company. Yeah, you can't do it. No. Can't do it. Right. In, in, you know, you know, Look, there was there was some fun back in the day where, you know, from eight to four, you know, eight to eight to ten, you know, I was running HR and from, you know, ten to two, I was running I was running sales and from, you know, two to six, I was doing operations and from six to ten, maybe maybe I was helping out in finance and legal, right? And and there that there's a certain fun to that, but that's where you understand kind of the innards of a business. But it's not scalable and it's not repeatable. And 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 ultimately what's gonna happen is that um, you become the type of leader that that people really don't want to work for because you're not you're not giving them any any rope. You're not giving them any room. And how are they going to grow if you're just mother henning everything? 
So, you know, there's there's two sides to it. One, you don't have enough time to do everything, so you have to delegate. And two, it's really the right way to groom your people um, it, it is to delegate. And and like I said, there will be, you will have to live with the fact that as the owner or as the executive, that nobody's going to do it exactly the way you're going to do it. But that's okay. That That's probably okay. So that's number one. That's a good number one. So give us a number, number two. One. Number two, nothing actually needs to be done right now, right? And I know, like, you're probably, like, in your mind, like, yeah, coming from the guy who's like, do I have an answer on this yet? Do I have an answer on this yet? Uh, so <laughs> I, I understand. You know, I, I got to put a hat on because you're seeing into my brain, and that's not a right, good idea. Yeah. yeah, there's a little sanctimony here, and I, I, and I get that. <laughs> I, I get that. Um, you know, one of our kind of attributes as a company is that we always move really fast, you know, and that's probably one of our, our, our differentiators in the marketplace against competitors. Is, and, and, and really what that, that's done is, is created, a, I mean, even listen to the way I talk, right? I mean, it's, it's all just kind of fast, right? But, you know, the one thing I've learned this year is that nothing needs to be done right now. Um, I, I think about any takeaway fr from, from business and and think about any decision that you've made in haste and and think about uh, any uh, conversation that you've had with somebody maybe it was a hard conversation and you know a half hour later you're like damn i wish i had said this right, right. Ah, i should have said that or i should have wrote this tell me about every decision that that you've ever made quickly and there wasn't that moment whether it was 30 minutes three hours or 30 days after the fact where you're like, I should have. And, and that's because the decision was, was made to do something right now. And so recognizing that you're probably always at your best 30 minutes after you've had a chance to digest the actual issue uh, will, will cause you to slow down a little bit and, and actually think through the problem. Now, certainly there are moments, um, you know, as a leader, uh, you know, of a company or a leader of just a group of people where a decision actually does have to be made right now. And, and that's probably why you're in that seat, that you're able to, to distill and digest and, and synthesize in, information very quickly um, and, and think on your feet, as it were, and, and, and come to an answer. Totally cool. Has to happen. There are just, there are certain things in life that have to be, uh, you know, take the red pill or the blue pill. I get it. But, but that's really not the case typically, and it's not the case in a business setting. Um, and, and, and that's because you, you need time to get to the right decision. And typically, especially as a leader or as an executive, that decision shouldn't be made in a vacuum and it should be informed by a team and, and by data and by information. And nowadays, which you have, you know, virtually at your fingertips and, and somewhat instantly, um, depending on how you're organized. And so, you know, if, if you can resist the urge to be fast and prefer the urge to be correct you will do better in life and and so and that might even be a lesson for you know relationships certainly for marriage certainly and you know who am i right but uh i am married to a divorce attorney so i i have to i do have to be thorough in 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 my in my responses but um it is just good a good life lesson not just a business lesson is 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 don't be first be right be correct and and to do that take your time so that's lesson number two okay i got another great lesson so at the at a micro level one of the things that um as email became more and more the 
tool of business communication through my career. Originally, you know, it was just bang something out and press send. And pretty early on, I figured out, you know, you actually have to read them and sometimes let them percolate a little bit before you send them. Not not because they're nasty grams, but just because, you, as you pointed out, your best thought may not be the first one. So, you know, I think we can all um, do little things in our day to day that really add up to that. Take a breath, give it more thought, do it better kind of thing. So, yeah. And, and one more thing on this. Recognize, right, that everybody wants like we just live in that world, right? You know, where there's a tweet and a reply and your phone's buzzing and you're texting and it's instant and it's just like dopamine, 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 right? <laughs> and there is a bit of a rush with that. Um, but people will respect you more if you say, hey, I want to think about that for a minute. Now you have to follow up and actually, you know, do what you say you're going to do. But um, people will respect you if, if you are thoughtful. And and even if they want speed, they'll they will wait for correctness. And and I think that's that's important too. Yeah. Number three. Number three. Plan for the worst, even when things are at their best. And you know this, you know, somewhat. You know this this isn't isn't meant to be like braggadocious, but you know we we've had a lot of really good success at at our company um, this year. And 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 so there is a propensity to you know pat yourself on the back and say well things are going great it's up and to the right it'll always be up and to the right that's what the spreadsheet shows so that's how it's going to be <laughs> and, and and there's a real danger there um because we live in the real world and in the real world um bad stuff can happen you know and it can be macro level bad stuff you know you lose a major customer or uh, a, a key employee, um, or there's there's just a, a maybe a transaction that goes the wrong way, um, or it can be you know kind of the micro stuff, you know, um, your laptop breaks, right? You know, there, there's a whole host of things that that you know uh, are micro uh, kind of inconveniences, but but what I think is you always have to be thinking about what are we going to do if right if this macro or micro thing doesn't work and you have to you have to be planful you know if if you never think you're going to have you know an important fourth and ten play that you have to convert and you don't practice the fourth and ten play um when the fourth and ten play comes up everybody is going to be nervous they're going to play tight um, and they're not going to be able to rely on a strategic and thoughtful plan uh, of how they practice to get through challenging times. And so, you know, and some of this is probably, the, you know, the, the lawyer in me is like, you know, how's it going to go wrong? How's it going to go bad? You have to be careful not to let the lawyer suck, the, you know, the lawyer brand of you kind of like suck the fun out of the room and, and only look at the negatives. But that's kind of what you're taught. Right. You know, as a lawyer, right. it's like, where's the downside? Um, you know, what's our exposure? You know, how is this going to go wrong? And when it goes wrong, how are we going to mitigate our risk? Right. Um, which is one of the reasons why, you know, I think that training for me has been has been, you know, a really more important maybe than any business training that I've had is the legal training. But you have to always think about what might go wrong. And you have to have a plan for what might go wrong, even if nothing goes wrong. And, and so 
that's that's number uh, number three here is always plan, you know, for for the rainy day and uh, even more so when it's been sunny for a long, long time. Yeah, you can get lulled into the uh, sense that, as you said at the beginning, it will always be up and to the right. And the reality is only from a great distance, but on a day by day, month by month, quarter by quarter basis, it moves around and you need to be prepared to help keep course correcting. So what's number four? Number four, it's the importance of giving people small wins. And this is something that has has taken me a while to to really to really get to. Um, you know, when you are when you're dealing with human beings, right? And we all are <laughs> all day long. You have to recognize <clears throat> that everybody, including yourself, is kind of writing a novel and the central character and typically the hero of, of that of that that novel is the author, is you, right? And and nobody wants to write a, a story where they, as the author and the hero, um, continually gets beat down and and doesn't have any positives happen in their story. And and so once you recognize that that everybody's out there writing this story where they're they're their own central figure of their story, that you have to allow people to win. And 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 a lot of times, um, small wins are enough. And so. If you're in a meeting or or uh, you know negotiating or whatever it is, and somebody on your team has a good idea, just because it's not your idea or just because like you don't agree with a hundred percent of the idea, doesn't mean that you can't take the good twenty percent of that idea and have it be part of the the broader plan. Because you know what, giving people those small wins, letting them get a little bit of traction in their novel is gonna go a far way, a really, really long way when you're talking about, about leading people. People need wins. People need to go home and feel as though they accomplished something today. And you can't be as an executive or a leader, the roadblock to allowing somebody to achieve the win in their novel. And so, so long as it's not harmful to the business, so long as it doesn't hurt other people's ability um, to, to move forward, you should think long and hard before you shoot down somebody's plan or idea, and you should think long and hard about the 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 strong impact that allowing people in your organization to have wins will get them. And and I think you know once you get to that kind of level, uh, thinking about that kind of level as, as a leader and giving your team wins, and and then you watch them stack up win after win after win. Um, you know, it can create a really powerful dynamic throughout the organization. So the importance of giving people small wins. Agreed. And I think one of the things that it does for us as we take that advice and, and put it in play is it makes us better listeners because we're paying attention to more of the conversation so that we can uh, put that, uh, put number four in place. So give us number five. Number five. This is an easy one. Being nice is free. It is. And 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 I can't tell you how one late I've I've learned this lesson. And in two, the impact that it's had just on me as a human being, not just as a, a CEO or an executive. There is no reason to go through life as a jerk. Like there's there's just not you know, and 
And if you kind of have this maybe, you know, inner anger or 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 just just harboring ill will all day long, it's going to eat you up and, and it's going to eat you alive. And, you know, to put this back into a business context, you know, there is absolutely no reason ever to raise your voice, ever to be nasty with somebody, ever to, you know, curse somebody out or, or blow them up, you know, in a group setting or an email. You, you really will attract so many more bees with honey than you will with water. And, and it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you anything to say please and thank you. It doesn't cost you anything to open the door for somebody. It doesn't cost you anything to to say thank to to send an email, you know, letting somebody know that they did a, a good job. It doesn't cost you anything to remember when it's somebody's birthday. These are these are all just free things that you get to do as a leader, as an executive. It doesn't cost the company a nickel. It is it is cash flow neutral right <laughs> it, you can do this all day long you can treat your people fairly you can be a nice person you can you can you can lift people up and and even though you get frustrated and we all get frustrated we all have moments that we wish we we didn't have i i guarantee you that if you just try to be nice it, even when it hurts even when you don't want to be nice <laughs> if, if you just do the little things and be nice i i guarantee one you're going to sleep better to your people and your company is going to have a better a better culture and three you're just going to you're going to go through life just a, a little bit a little bit happier um being nice is free and everybody should do it there's no incentive to be nasty whether it's in business or your personal life. and i know this is coming from a guy who's wearing a grinch sweatshirt right but there's the irony in it but That's even true. the grinch yeah you know so so that's it. Those are the five. Those are the five things that you know really kind of carried me through this year, when I thought and about what was the the five lessons this year that that I really learned and are going to try to take with me in in, in twenty two. So, um, I hope I hope those were interesting. They were great. I think it's particularly wonderful that you ended our last episode of this year with the very your very last point was the one that your mom will be very proud of. <laughs> well, it's one you learn early on, so you know it's uh, it's true. But and you know uh, anybody's mom, not just your mom, but you know I, I I do think you know there was year, many many years ago there was uh, I think it was a book everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and you know it, and it was things like that: share, be nice. But and they sound so trite, but they actually do. I think they're the lubrication for relationships. And yeah, that's a very valuable. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on that, Elliot, I will tell you, it has been a, a pleasure uh, to do this podcast with you nine times in, in 2021. And that I hope you have a wonderful holiday season and a great new year, uh, as well as our 37 listeners uh, around the world. And right. uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in and, and hopefully you found these lessons valuable and, and we look forward to uh, to the next pod. Well, thank you very much, Frank. Back to you and your family. Great holidays and uh, looking forward to uh, doing some things with you next year. Uh, we may have uh, we've had a few or we've had some guests. We may do more guests next year, uh, but um, there's always good things to talk about and uh, looking forward to doing that. And uh, thanks again for the time today. And I will I'm sure I'll be talking to you on other things uh, during the week. All right. We'll see you later. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.